0: a sports talk show legend, host, and reporter for CBS Radio and WFAN in New York City. She's an author, TV producer, philanthropist, and someone I'm privileged to call a friend, Ann Liguori. Hello, Ann.
1: Hey, Holly. How are you? Great to talk to you.
0: Same here. I know um, Like myself, we have a lot of friends up in the New York area that um, we have been continuing to send our thoughts and prayers to uh, as this pandemic continues. I know you split time down here also in Florida, which we've been, um, I think, a little bit removed uh, just due to the ability to you know go outside and the fact that golf courses have still been open
1: yes I'll absolutely open to- it's just you know it's been a pleasure to be here in northeast orlando during this whole pandemic uh, i normally after the masters i cover the masters every year and normally after going to augusta I'll, I'll continue my trip up north to new york but this is um you know a very abnormal scenario and so i decided to stay in florida and I think it was the best decision, Holly. I, obviously the weather is cooperating, it's beautiful, and the golf courses down here have remained open. In, in my area, I know West Palm Beach and that area, they closed the, their courses for weeks and they just reopened them, obviously with restrictions. So we've been able to go to the golf course and uh, everybody's being you know, very careful. And But we've been able to play the whole time. So obviously I'm very busy and I don't get out as much as I'd like, but at least, you know, you have that option to go out and play. And they're doing takeout service food-wise. So at least, you know, from a financial standpoint, the golf clubs in this area can still make some money. I know they had to lay off a number of employees and we have an employee fund that we're contributing to, to help them out. But, um, you know, in New York, the first the clubs were open and then the governor closed all the golf clubs and the marinas. And just recently he reopened them, but uh, the golf, uh, the pro shops are closed. So people are making their tee time online and they're paying online. And then they're also carrying their clubs at most of the public facilities. So um, my significant other Scott just played. He's in New York right now, and he just played yesterday. It was a gorgeous day in New York, and it was you know just a relief for him to get out and walk, take in some fresh air, and and just get out and play. So I just think it's healthy, and I think it's important for golf clubs to remain open for you know even if they. Look, I'd love the pro shops to to open and the restaurants to open as soon as possible. You know, the golf business needs that. The entire economy needs to open up soon. But um, New Jersey apparently does not have their golf courses open. And I just heard on Fox News earlier in the day that, uh, you know, one of their uh, somebody from New Jersey who runs um, the New Jersey Golf Association was pleading. To the governor to open up golf courses in New Jersey because it's just such a healthy outlet for people. And, you know, obviously, hopefully, we're smart enough to adhere to the restrictions. So, for people up in the north, northeast, you know, I hope that these golf courses can open up and they have that outlet for sanity, if anything, right, Holly?
0: Well, as somebody who went through many a winter in upstate New York, there is very much something that's called cabin fever as spring is approaching. And, you know, you'll go out and play golf when it's 40 degrees just because you want to swing a club. And, you know, no doubt many up in the New England area who have been much more sheltered in are getting this what they're calling quarantine fatigue so um, I'm with you let's uh, let's get those courses open and the exciting news for those of us that are sports-deprived golf-deprived bringing back the PGA Tour starting in June on TV even though there'll be no fans out at uh, Colonial in Texas.
1: That's right. That is scheduled to be the first tournament back in mid-June. And um, the first four on the schedule, the PGA Tour, has said that there will be no spectators. And, you know, I can, I can um, live with that. I mean, I think the world is starved to see sports, live sports on television, so it will be televised. And I think these guys, you know, they can play without fans uh, for, you know, for the first couple uh, tournaments. Um, it includes the Travelers Championship, which is always at the end of June. And, you know, the Travelers Championship, which is in uh, Hartford, outside of Hartford, Connecticut, has won many awards as a fan favorite PJ Tour event. And they have so many. Programs for that you know interactive um, programs for veterans for children for women you know they just really think of everything and it's such a joy to go up and cover that tournament because there's so much going on all week long it's like one big party they have concerts and you know a lot of PGA Tour events are like this and LP PGA Tour events so to imagine that event without spectators is going to be very difficult. But, you know, we're in unusual times. So I'm happy to hear that, you know, the PJ tour is um, going to resume. Now, I just got a note from the LPJ tour that they're waiting until July. They were supposed to resume in June as well, but they're waiting another month. So it will be interesting to see um, how that all pans out.
0: Well, the other good news inside new york state starting to open up is that as we know the 120th u.s open at wingfoot is now rescheduled for september 17th through the 20th as we know usually uh the open is one of our favorite events because it comes in june and it usually ends over father's day Uh, This is going to be different and uh, probably a challenge for the superintendent to keep that golf course fresh and healthy through the summer. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think just the entire schedule, everything seems to be crammed into August, September, October, November, December. So it's going to be pretty, pretty hectic fourth quarter. But Wingfoot is located in Mamaronek. It is very close to to New Rochelle, which, you know, obviously is a hotbed for this pandemic. So they have to be extra careful. They have to take a lot of precautions. And as far as having it in September, you know, I I do think the members will understand. They'll probably have to close the course maybe five, six weeks prior to hosting the U.S. Open Championship in mid-September. The members probably won't like that too much, but they'll understand there's another 18-hole course. You know, they obviously have the East and the West course there, just Tillinghast uh, classic design. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will—no, I can I can live with no spectators if that will be the case. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be the case. But about a week after the U.S. Open at Wingfoot is the Ryder Cup at the end of September— at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, and recently on my talking golf show on WFAN, Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA of America, told me that he could possibly envision a Ryder Cup without spectators, and that made a lot of news because most people can't envision you know, this incredible international event, Team USA versus Team Europe, without fans,
0: Remember the war by
1: the shore? That's right. That's right. So he told me on the show that the PJ of America and their partners, the European tour, et cetera, et cetera, are trying to create some kind of virtual experience. They're trying to come up with ideas to include the fan from a virtual standpoint, which tells me that they are seriously considering options not to have Spectators on the premises at Whistling Straight. So that was a big uh, reveal coming from Seth Waugh, and it just shows you how they're just doing everything they can right now to prepare for all kinds of scenarios.
0: That's a hard one to imagine, and no fans at the Ryder Cup. That's what makes that event so special. We don't have these, uh, you know, rowdy, you know chanting loud grandstands packed with you know team Europe team USA, all the fanfare and the and the outfits that you know the fans get into this is such a unique event in golf. I, I just can't see it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, obviously, they did, you know, we don't know if that's going to be the case or not. Hopefully, there will be spectators, but they're just keeping all options open, which you have to with this pandemic and the uncertainty of these times. So, but yeah, I mean, to have a, a Ryder Cup with no fans, I mean, I can see it being staged at the majors, perhaps uh, the PJ Championship in August. And maybe the US Open in September, although hopefully by September that won't be the case. Uh, but the Ryder Cup, absolutely not.
0: How about the Masters Tournament? <laughs> uh, now scheduled for November 12th through the 15th. We know, uh, you know, Augusta normally shuts down for the entire summer. So, and they have that amazing uh, sub air system. So they can pretty much tweak that golf course however they want. But, uh, you know, how do you think that's going to work for the players? They're going to have completely different mojo going in and playing in Augusta in the fall.
1: Definitely. I think it's pretty exciting. I really do. I think the Masters um, got the best option waiting till November. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who have played Augusta National in the fall. I've, I've played Augusta National three times. I can boast and but it's always been the monday after the masters uh, but in the i'm looking forward to just going and covering my 22nd masters in november because i understand that it's just absolutely gorgeous there in november but the temperature will be cooler about 10 degrees on average cooler the sunset will set much earlier in november than it does in april so they're going to have to change the format and i can see them starting earlier and perhaps um, getting three sums out on the first and 10th tees and the wind's going to be a little different and that may be a little challenging to the players so i think all these factors are going to make it very interesting from an economical standpoint i think it's a, it was a really great idea for you know the local people there because they have an opportunity now to rent out their homes they'll take that week off The kids will be out of school that week and most residents try to rent out their homes, make a lot of money that week to pay their mortgages, go out of town. The restaurants will be busy and, you know, it's a big boom for the Augusta economy. So they're going to have the masters in November and then five months later again in April. So, you know, that makes up perhaps for a lot of the suffering that is happening now and will happen for a long time to come economically.
0: So I believe you have some um, breaking news um, regarding a project you're working on, yes?
1: Well, I appreciate you asking about it. Yes, you know, a lot of people know um, and used to watch my sports interview interview cable show that aired on sports cable networks throughout the country for 17 years, starting way back when, uh, 1989, when I was 12 years old. Um, and my first interview was with Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams and Will Chamberlain and Hank Aaron and Jim Brown and Gordy Howe and Billie Jean King and Sam Snead. I mean, just, I have, I own 500 half-hour TV interviews with these iconic names in sports and um, it's really a treasure chest uh, collection of interviews and we are going to have a channel that's going to air on a streaming service it's going to be my own sports interview channel and so I'll be able to finally play many of these classic sports interviews, and I'm going to start taping new interviews to add to the collection. So it's uh, going to all happen. We're putting it all together now, and you'll be the first to know when I make the official announcement.
0: Well, you um, have the distinction, many distinctions, but your sports interview was the longest-running cable sports show, owned, hosted, and produced by a woman and I have to say as well, you were the first woman to host a call-in sports show on WFAN in New York. And you hosted that show for over 20 years. So um, you are a rock star in broadcasting, not just because you're a woman, because you're awesome at what you do. And I can't wait to see some of these old uh, broadcasts of your sports interviews.
1: You know, thanks, Holly. I mean, These legends are just so iconic. And when I go back and, and watch these shows, they're really enlightening. They're very educational. And I just think men and women, young and old, will get a kick out of hearing, you know, Mickey Mantle talk about his success story and, you know, his friendship with the great Roger Maris. And they'll love seeing Will Chamberlain. You know, when Will Chamberlain walked into the room at the Waldorf where I did the TV interview with him, he had to bend his knees because he was so tall. He His head was going to hit the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, everybody I've interviewed has a great story. So, you know, I'm working on a book actually to go along with, you know, this new channel that's going to be airing all these sports interview shows. And um, there's just so much going on, which is great. We can, like you, we always stay busy. So um, I'm excited for what's going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of time we have now to work on these kind of things. So, um Let's Get it done, girl. Get it done.
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely. And speaking of get it done, we need to, we need to tee it up. I know, uh, <laughs> I know my swing is getting a little rusty, but, you know, Rory McElroy hasn't picked up a club in seven weeks either. So I'm hoping uh, I'll be able to get back on the horse.
1: You know, that's funny. I talked to Gary Player. He was my guest on my talking golf show. It airs every Sunday morning on WFAN in New York. And you can hear it uh, on uh, wfn.com, and I have the podcast that is on my social media, so you can hear all the shows. But Gary Player was saying it the, the same thing, Holly. He would, he told me in my seven decades of playing golf, he said, "This is the longest time I've ever gone without swinging a club." And he's staying with his uh, one of his six children, his, one of his daughters, outside of Philadelphia. And he said, thank goodness, my, our neighbor has a a simulator, so he can go over there and hit balls. But (laughs) it was fun to hear what, you know, it's fun to hear what these, these pros are doing uh, to pass the time. You know, they're, they're, they're cherishing the time they have with their families. Annika Sorumstam was my guest as well, and she she's actually she gets to play a little golf she's uh, at lake nona in orlando and they've kept that golf course open so they've had a couple family outings and a lot of people are really just cherishing the time they can have dinner with their families and and quiet get-togethers and and play cards and and different games and watch movies so i think it's it's really an extraordinary time and, and we can all use it to um, reflect and to get closer to our loved ones
0: Perfect note to end on and uh, appreciate your time as always. You can check out everything about Anne Ligori at Anne L-I-G-U-O-R-I dot com. Thank you, my friend, my mentor. And um, it's always a special treat to spend time with you.
1: Holly, my pleasure. Thanks so much.